Hi, this is Carl, and once again, I'm very happy to have Rayanne Buccianico with us. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me here today. And thank you for taking time at the beginning of tax season, because I know as an enrolled agent, you are super duper busy. So January is probably the worst month of the year. <laughs> so, and we are almost out of January, so we're doing okay. So this year more than anything, probably in, what is it, five, eight years? Uh, there's massive, massive changes. And I was just, you know, talking to somebody about how I don't even know what I'm going to do with my own company this year. But uh, I want to start with 1099 since they're due like in two days, is that right? Or three days or something? Six days. Six days. Six days if you file them yourself. But if like I'm using QuickBooks online, so it says, oh, we have to have it done by the 27th in order to get it to the feds by the end of the month. Absolutely. So there's, right, there's a January 31st deadline on it. But I'd like to talk about the different types of 1099s and why, why we even do them. Okay. So the whole point. Wait, wait, stop. We forgot about you. For first, let's talk about you. <laughs> so you own a managed service business. Give me your, your you know, elevator pitch here. Uh, okay, so I'm Ryan Bucianico. I'm the owner of ABC Solutions. We're based here in Clearwater, Florida, and we are an accounting firm that specializes in working with IT service firms around the country. So we do full service bookkeeping, payroll, sales taxes, income taxes, and uh, full service bookkeeping and accounting. And that's who we are, and that's what I do. Uh, so uh, I have over 30 years of tax experience. I'm an enrolled agent, um, which means I'm eligible to practice before the IRS, all the way up to, but not including, the tax court. Not, not just that, but you can show up for the IRS and I don't have to. That's correct. <laughs> I, wouldn't, uh, I would not even invite you to the meeting. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> Well, that's because you've actually talked to me about my finances and you know how messed up they are. So, all right. So let's get back to, so thank you for that. 1099s. First of all, what is a 1099? A 1099 is a statement that tells the IRS how much you have paid another person or business uh, in business transactions for a certain period of time, which is always the calendar year. Now, there's different types of 1099s. You've got your 1099 dividend, which you will get if you have investments. 1099 interest, which would come from the bank for savings accounts. Uh, and then there's also the dreaded 1099 miscellaneous. Now, the 1099 miscellaneous, uh, that's for all miscellaneous business tax, I'm sorry, business transaction payments. Now, the purpose of this is that you as a small business might, may pay me as another small business for providing services to your company. Now you wanna deduct that payment on your income taxes. Now in order, in order for you to be able to deduct that payment, somebody else has to claim the income. So the 1099 miscellaneous form is designed to report your deduction and to make sure that the other person stays honest and reports that income. That's the purpose of it. So 1099s are not optional um, because if you pay somebody over $600 and you fail to send them a 1099, then you don't get 
to take that deduction because then somebody else may not be claiming that income. And it's $600 for the year. So if I paid you $100 a month for six months, I would need to do a 1099 that says I've paid you $600. Absolutely, correct. So this is where people get in trouble, uh, politicians mostly, uh, that they, they don't claim, they, they, they don't give 1099s to people who work for them, to the people who clean their houses, mow their lawns, all that kind of stuff. Um, but they want to take it as a legitimate deduction. Correct. And you cannot have it both ways. <laughs> so you, you cannot have it both ways. Right. You don't get the deduction without forcing somebody to claim the income. Now, however, on the other side of things, I run into people all the time. And they say, I can't do my taxes. I didn't get my 1099 yeah. yet. Right. Now, but that's not true. Of course it's not true. You are... <laughs> You are required to report your income, uh, all of your income, whether or not you have received documentation from a third party. Right. And that's where the mafia get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> they don't claim all of their income. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah. So, so my tax guy, Hank, always tells me, right, it doesn't matter if you get your 1099s or not. You need to know what your income is. So you need to track that accurately. Um, but, you know, you and I were just talking that this tracking, it is not easy and obvious. This is my first year with QuickBooks Online, and I 100% guarantee to you that 100% of what I did last year with regular old desktop QuickBooks was accurate. With online, everything is different, and when I first started looking at doing 1099s, I checked the box and only like three people showed up. So I'm like, okay, so now I got to go find my vendors and I got to check the box that says track this for 1099. Then I got to go and, and the money wasn't all right. So then I had to go through all of the items and say, this is an item you track or this is an account you track. I, didn't even, I don't remember what it is, but I, I had to go back and basically check enough boxes until the 1099s came up to the, the right amounts. Right. So, yes, there's a, certainly a learning curve with QuickBooks Online. I will grant you that all day long. <laughs> uh, however, on some things it might be easier because there's just that one little checkbox. Track this vendor for 1099. There's no more mapping to the different accounts. Remember in desktop, you would have to go in, you would have to yeah. set up the mapping, you know, and, oh, you can't send a 1099 because they're not using the proper account, expense account for 1099s. So there's give and take on both sides. Um, but, but I can pay you for different things. And a perfect example is um, I might send you a royalty payment because of a show that you recorded a long time ago and I sell it, right? for whatever, $10, right? So you get five or three or whatever it is. And, you know, so now that's a tiny little thing, but I also pay you for teaching classes for me. So there's royalty payments, which would go in one box on a 1099, and then there's labor payments that go in a different box, right? So, but I have to track both of those. Uh, and you may do work for me, or might you do work for me that's not trackable on a 1099? Generally not. So you either are or are not tracked. Correct. The only time that you might not have to uh, report payments on a 1099 is if you were reimbursing somebody, you know, penny for penny for expenses. So you hired this independent worker and you sent him out on a job and he comes back with an expense report and 
you write this person a check for the exact amount that's on that expense report. There is no filing requirement for that. Okay, so that makes sense. So Nancy does sales for me. I pay her a commission. She gets a 1099 for that, but she also goes to a conference, spends money on a hotel. I reimburse her for that. That's not a 1099 event. The, the trick to that is, or the answer to that is, is who keeps the receipts? If Nancy keeps the receipts, then it's Nancy's expense and you should 1099 her for the full amount and, uh, and then she will take that deduction on her Schedule C. Uh, oh, I see. If you keep the receipts, then it is an expense for Great Little Seminar or you know, um, Small Biz Thoughts and then you get the deduction and you keep the receipts and then it does not become income to her. Okay. Is there ever a case where a managed service provider would get a reimbursement from a client, but not, but but it would not be uh, taxable as a 1099 expense? That is probably uh, it would happen. Um, although generally, all payments will come through on the 1099 because the MSP is already tracking the expense. So uh, so you buy something, and I know that there's a lot of uh, IT providers out there who do not uh, mark up any of the products, who do not mark up any of the products that they sell. So, um, so you could stick them into reimbursable expenses in an income account, and then receive the reimbursement, and stick it into that same reimbursed expenses income account, and they would offset each other. There should be a zero at the end. Is it generally the case that if somebody is in a small business, they own their own business, whether they're a sole proprietor or S corp or whatever, is it generally the case that they're going to always receive more money than they're going to receive 1099s? Like if you add up all your 1099s, it's always less than the amount you actually receive? Uh, almost always. If not, if you only have one 1099, uh, that means that you don't really have a business. You have a job. <laughs> and then we should be having a different conversation, the worker versus employee conversation. Right, right. Right. So, um, but not every one of your customers is either going to pay you over $600, and not every one of your customers may send you a 1099 at all. As a matter of fact, if you are a corporation, you are not required to you are not required to send a 1099 to any corporation. That's why we don't send 1099s to Verizon or to the electric company, you know, or to uh, the big corporations because they are corporations, and corporations, in the eyes of the IRS, are deemed to be more trustworthy than human beings. <laughs> <laughs> Second so, only to politicians. <laughs> Uh, so it would it would be too burdensome to make every small business send a 1099 to every vendor that they do business with. So that's interesting. So it was maybe two or three years ago, all the news stories were full of this thing where you're going to now have to have 1099s to the grocery store, the car fix-it place, and all these other things. Whatever happened to that? Was that just like radio talk show BS or was that a real proposal? Uh, that was actually a real proposal. And, um, and then it became really confusing because then now you have all of these social media payments, right? So, um, so just like 
you may pay you may pay a vendor with a credit card and because it's on a credit card and that person is receiving the payment from his or her merchant you if you send a 1099 and the merchant sends the 1099k now we've duplicated the same payment to the to uh -huh. one taxpayer so they had to draw the line. Anybody that you pay with a credit card or through PayPal or Venmo or any of the other payments, uh, payment uh, systems out there, you are not required to send the 1099 because the merchant is now in charge of that. Now there's a big... Oh, that's interesting. So PayPal will send me a 1099 at the end of the year? PayPal would send you a 1099K uh, and there's the loophole because there has to be greater than $20,000 in 1099K payment in order for the merchant to send the 1099K. Oh, so, so instead of 600, it's 20,000. Right, so there's this big gaping hole between $600 and $20,000. Okay, so if I send you a PayPal payment of say $700, I don't have to send you a 1099 and PayPal doesn't have to send you a 1099. Correct. Okay. But I'm still a small business and I still need to report. And kind of like over to the side, there's some rule about me sending you $10,000 that other things have to be reported. And that's completely outside of the 1099 thing. Right. And that was thanks to the Patriot Act back in 2000 and whatever. One. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Thank God you exist and I don't have to think about all this stuff except when I'm interviewing. So, um, so just skipping ahead a bit, if people are not corporations, if people are watching this and they're sole proprietors, that means they're using their own tax ID as their company uh, tax ID. Mm -hmm. um, should they send W-9s to everybody who's on their client list so that they have that tax information and can send them 1099s. So uh, the uh, advice we give to our clients is when you hire a new vendor, whether it's a subcontractor or somebody like that, do not issue the first penny without receiving a completed W-9. Because if, you, if, if the relationship goes south and uh, you start working together in April and you stop working together in June, by January, if you're trying to get the, 10, the W-9 information, you're scrambling, you can't get it, they're not returning your calls, do it before you issue the first check. And let's say that somebody doesn't send me a W-9, but on their invoice it says at the bottom, my tax ID is one, two, three, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Am I good to go to use that to send them a 1099 at the end of the year? Absolutely, yes. So I don't need a government form. Correct. The, the W-9 is uh, for your convenience. It doesn't go anywhere. It stays in your files. It's just a, a very official looking form that says, hey, give me your name, your address, and your tax ID number. Right. I actually had an issue with um, uh, spam filters not letting somebody send me their W-9. It just literally like got vaporized <laughs> um, because they, you know, oh, nope, this has got a, this got a social security number on it, you know, and it nuked it. Oh, and, right. Uh, so finally, I just said, you know, just leave me a voicemail with your tax ID number. <laughs> <laughs> there are some out there like, um, I think reflection users 
reflection will you know look at the email if it determine if it determines that there's any personally identifiable information on it they'll automatically send it secure right and so they well, and some of the HIPAA filters and other things do similar kind of stuff like they look for things like social security numbers right um, so uh, again to the sole proprietor watching do I have to use my personal social security number or can I get a tax ID so I'm not broadcasting my social security number to all of my clients? So um, that's a great, that is a great question. Yes, you can absolutely get a, an employer ID number. Um, and as a matter of fact, you are required to have an employer ID number if you uh, start to, to hire employees, your first employee. You cannot be an employer with a social security number you have to, that's the whole point of the employer identification number right um, but but if you never have an employee you can still get an ein absolutely you know just by uh, because you've started a business or for banking purposes or for you know there's a whole long list of reasons why you may want or need an employer ID number. And it's always a good practice, especially if you're an LLC. You can be an LLC uh, in your state, still file a Schedule C on your personal income tax, um, but you could also just get, so now you have the protection from the state for the liability, and then you get an employer ID number, and that protects you personally. And um, I know we hear all this stuff about ransomware and all this happy stuff, but is there really a problem in the 21st century of me giving people my social security number? It's kind of everywhere, right? You could probably Google it and find it, right? <laughs> um, I don't know that you could Google it. I think I've tried a few times for people that- Google my, my, my social security No, 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 not yours. Uh, but somebody who, you know, who I really wanted to send a 1099 to that refused <laughs> to respond. Um, <laughs> so no, I don't know that you can find it. Um, but there is an awful lot, an awful lot of tax fraud going on. And I think that the IRS is going to move more toward uh, starting to use PINs instead of social security numbers. So currently, if you are a victim of tax fraud, you know, somebody tried to file a tax return in your name last year, the IRS will determine that there was tax fraud and then they will issue you a six-digit PIN that you can use in place of your social security number when filing the return so that the person who stole the number last year would have to know the PIN before they could file for you again. So, uh, and I think that we're going to see more and more of that. Um, the tax software is very security conscious right now. You know, every time I log into my tax software, I have to, I've got a two-factor authentication, you know, and I have to change my password every, you know, 45 days. Right. And I'm the only tax preparer in the office. It's crazy. But, you know, I don't make the rules. So. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you, as a tax preparer, are protecting my data. Right? I mean, I, obviously, I have an interest in you having um, a, a difficult life. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, and we appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but okay. so, so now, now that we've, you know, I told you the, the half hour is going to zip by. So now we have to talk about like the tax law, like the big changes in the tax law. So uh, what do I need to know for this year? Should, should we all become C-Corps or S-Corps or... <laughs> 
<laughs> that, that is the number one question I have heard more than anything else over the last 30 days. Let's talk. Do I need to become a C-Corp now? And, and the answer is probably not. Okay. And, the, and the reason I say that, yes, the, the C-Corp rate went from 35% all the way down to 21%. And that's great um, for C-Corps. But I'm an S-Corp. You're an S-Corp. <laughs> so that doesn't help us at all. But what does help us is the pass-through deduction. So um, let's say you have, uh, you've got an S corporation and your net income for the year was $100,000. Now, when you move that over from the S corp onto your Schedule E, there's an immediate 20% deduction. So that means that you're not paying ordinary tax on the 100000 any longer. Now you're paying tax on the 80000 Okay, and this is a new this is a new thing. This is brand new. This came out this came out with the um, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So I'm only being taxed on eighty percent of what I come over what comes over as profit. Correct. There are some limitations. There are some limitations, but you have to. Ha you really have to have a lot of income, you know. And I think for a married couple, it's the limitations kick in around three hundred and seventeen thousand. Um, for a single person, the limitations start to kick in around one fifty-seven. So, um, but for those uh, for those small businesses that are not netting, you know, a uh, hundred. $200,000 or $300,000, um, you're going to get that 20% cut right off the top now. And is that, sorry, but is that completely separate from my personal deduction? Because I then get a, uh, you know, whatever, there, there's a standard deduction that human beings get? Correct. There's a standard deduction, which is now increased because the personal exemption goes away. On your personal tax return so they took the personal exemptions which was the four thousand dollars per person uh, and they yanked that and then they increased the standard deduction hoping that it would um, allow fewer people to itemize not that itemizing deductions is is very complicated but i guess some people think that it <laughs> some people are not you know enrolled agents that's <laughs> true that's true um but uh, but there's some more reasons why you may not want to jump quickly into the C corporation. So as an S corporation, uh, before I even get to that, I wanted to point out one more thing. Two types of pass-through uh, organizations, which is the Schedule C or the sole proprietor, and the uh, general partnership, the, the partnerships filing 1065, they will get the 20% deduction but it will not reduce their self-employment tax. So it will reduce the tax for their uh, overall ordinary income tax, but the self-employment tax is going to be taxed at the full amount. So keep in mind, if you are subject to self-employment tax, uh, that the 20% is not going to reduce that. Okay, but the world is, you know, this is the thing. I always, I always ask a simple question with taxes and then it becomes like this massively complicated <laughs> answer. Um, so if you're a corporation, you can pay yourself a salary mm -hmm. and that limits your self-employment tax, but you still take whatever the profit is. You've actually reduced your profit by 
whatever you paid yourself in a salary. Right. <laughs> but whatever is profit, you lop off 20% before you look at what's taxable. Correct. So, yes. So, so you might actually, I mean, depending on where you fall between the 20% and the 14 or 15% self-employment tax, you might adjust your uh, personal uh, payroll. You could, but that, uh, but those limitations include wages. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes, you can bump up your wages all day long, but if you're still over those those limits or those threshold amounts, uh, it, then those limitations will come in to play. So. So far, just, and I know that the tax year is young, have you seen anybody where it made sense for them to flip over to a C-Corp? I, I, you can make that election like once every five years. You can make, um, once you make that change, you're stuck with it for five years. So don't jump into it, you know, uh, in a hurry. So um, the higher earning S-Corporations may do better by switching over to a C, but I want to caution people before doing that um, because C corporations are very structured and there are only two ways of getting money out of a C corporation. You can pay wages or you can pay taxable dividends. There are no other ways to get your money out of a C corporation. So in S corporations, you can take your salary and you can take profit distributions. So that means that you can, you know, you can pay your mortgage, you can, you know, go to the grocery store, you know, and you can push it all through shareholder distributions. And that becomes part of the distributions of profit. In C corporations, there's no such thing as a distribution of profit because the money doesn't belong to you anymore. Now it belongs to the corporation and the corporations are, you know, uh, are infinite. So there's no beginning, there's no real end um, of a corporation and there's no human factor in a corporation. So when I say that the corporations are so far more structured, uh, there's a lot of very strict rules that you have to follow. So before you go jumping, you know, and getting all excited about that 21% tax rate, um, think about what you're doing before you do it. Right. Well, I mean, at, at the end of the day, uh, what my guy, Hank, the tax guy, always tells me is, if you make a decision specifically to avoid taxes, it might not be allowable by the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good, that's a very good piece of advice. I mean, you, you know, you should always legally reduce your taxes as much as you can, but don't make structural decisions about your business just to avoid taxes. Right. I Probably agree. With that. <laughs> I would agree with that. Sadly, we are out of time. Gosh, and there's so much more I could tell you about. Uh, about I know. This. But I will likely blog uh, quite a bit as the IRS begins to interpret and issue, you know, issue guidance on some of this new law. You know, so it took them all year to write it. It took them a day to pass it. And now we've got to wait another six months until the IRS, you know, can interpret it and, and issue guidelines. Well, so. I literally don't know how your tax software could be up to date at this point. Well, right. that's because there's no changes in 2017. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so it's only the advice that has to change. It's, it's not last year's taxes. Okay. It's just the advice for next year. Very good. So, um, hey, you know, 
I know we talked about doing this quarterly. You can come back every day if you want, if you've got more stuff that you want to cover, but I know that you actually have to make a living. So uh, you're, you're welcome back next week, the week after, uh, in a month, two months, whatever makes you happy. Well, I always enjoy uh, jumping on a podcast with you, Carl. So thank you. And I may take you up on that, but it might not be until after tax season. Okay. One more commercial. You are teaching some classes for us this year. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about those? Okay, great. So I've got three classes uh, this year. Coming up in just about two weeks, we will be starting the financial processes for IT service firms. And that is a that is not a QuickBooks course. It's not, uh, it is a how do I manage my my finances and my accounting and understand the numbers that are coming out of my books. So if you want to, you know, maybe redo the way um, the way you are accounting for things, tracking different metrics, we're going to get into tracking cash flow, we're going to get into uh, service level metrics, you know, understanding the balance sheet and the P&L, you know, and uh, a number of other really cool topics for the for just finances. It's not a QuickBooks course. All right. Then, then later in the year, we do have a, a QuickBooks course. Well, the other two are both QuickBooks courses. So we've got QuickBooks Desktop for IT service firms. And that will be in, I think, in June uh, is when we start that class. And that is going to be all around QuickBooks Desktop. And uh, each time I do this class, I update everything so that you are looking at the most current version of QuickBooks. And so, uh, and this year will be no different. Plus we also, um, I will be incorporating some uh, third party reporting uh, software that you can use to really, you know, hone in on your KPIs and service level metrics and all of that. So. Excellent. And then uh, later in the year, we will do, uh, it'll be our second time for the QuickBooks Online, automating your accounting with QuickBooks Online and third party apps and there's so much automation and as a matter of fact every week I'm finding a really new cool tool that we can use you know to automate things and so we uh, push the information into QuickBooks online we've uh, audit proof all of the uh, all of the transactions in QuickBooks online we automate the accounting we automate the reporting um, and so and I show step by step all of these different tools that you can use to make bookkeeping and accounting less painful. Very good. Well, and just so people know, your classes are frequently the best attended classes of any that we do all year. Now, that won't be the case this year because I've released two new books. I cheated. And so <laughs> I have 30 or 40 people in each of my classes this year. <laughs> well, I, I aspired at 30 or 40. I think so. my, my top was 27. Oh, I think, really? I thought it was, well, maybe. So, well, but you're, you're always kicking our butts. So, you know, Josh and Manuel and I are like, oh, no, oh, I want to beat Ray in. <laughs> well, now I want to beat Carl. The so it's, it's so. a competition. <laughs> oh, yeah, may have to wait till next year. So anyway, these classes are always extremely popular and, and uh, we get literally raving reviews from them. So thank you for doing them. Thanks for, you know, doing this. I know that I'm not paying you for this, but <laughs> I really appreciate the information and it is, it is really great for people who are small businesses trying to figure out what they're supposed to do this year. 
Right. So anytime I can help, um, you know, please feel free to reach out. You know, I'm always there to help you, help, uh, help your readers, you know, and you know, always, my email's always open, and, uh, and I try to get back to everybody as quickly as possible. So Very good. And we're going to put your links down below so that if people want to get in touch with you, they can. And, you know, the one thing you didn't mention is that you also own an MSP and... Um, you are uh, auto task certified and you really know the stuff with both uh, managed services and accounting, which is huge. So, yes, and that's, that's what we do here. I mean, we are probably 80% uh, IT. Our clients are, I would say, 80 plus percent are IT firms. So we are specializing in MSPs and what they do. Uh, and I don't know that um, there's many other accounting firms out there who do what we do. Right. Well, very good. Thank you very much for your time. I sincerely appreciate it. And we will talk to you again. Okay. Thanks, Cara. Have a great day.